I'm Shay. And I'm Max. I'm James. And I'm Cody. And this is So Get This. So get this. Mr. Robot has just finished its season finale. They have had, what, maybe a third... Thirteen, ten episodes. Ten episode run on the USA Network. Um, it's a very kind of like USA's first, in my opinion. Um, it's very different from the usual programming on there. Yeah, it's first attempt into golden age television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're they're kind of trying television, to, sorry. Yeah, and they're kind of trying to catch up with what all the other networks have been doing. A good all, attempt too. Yes. All. <laughs> well, the big Most. ones, you know, like the big ones. I mean, the last season of... It was a pretty successful time. The last season of Monk and the last season of Psych, and then everything between now and then that USA has dished out. Not the best, in my opinion. So this is definitely a making up for it. But it was, like I said, it was very different from the usual programming that USA puts out. And so I think that it says a lot about today as far as... Our relationship with technology, our relationship with others, just like, it, it opens a lot of discussion about things that are relevant. Um, I think that the first question that I wanted to pose about it, and this is pretty much just going to be like overall discussion because we were like really geeking out over this entire series, um, but the first question that I had was, is Mr. Robot kind of like a technological prophecy? Because we see a lot of elements of today and how the national and international climate is going, especially when it comes down to hacking. Um, For those of you who didn't know much about the show, it definitely revolves a lot about that. Um, And I think this was kind of like a technological prophecy in a way, especially when, you know, you hear in the news pretty much every day, you know, this site's down, this, you know, Facebook banks... just had its second outage this Yeah, week. like, this company's been hacked, this car has been hacked. You know, it's it's opening up this new, you know, tech, tech vigilantes. And the worst part about vigilantes is, I guess, you don't really know what side they're on. Um, but yeah, I just feel like it shows a lot of where we're going in the future. And the pros and cons of where we're going. I don't know. I feel like I think it's more of a a representation of where we're at, in kind of like a microcosm sense. Like, you know, they have the big E, you know, evil corp, as like this kind of like the end all be all super mega corporation that needs to be taken down. But it's really interesting because like we already have corporations like that already. You know, we just have a few of them. You know how like many. That. How many different news providers are there really? Yeah. Small. Mm-hmm. Even even when you look at like our our partisan government system, like most of their election money comes from people from uh, lobbyists, and so mm-hmm. like you can argue that there's no actual partisan. There's just different, you know, state representatives representing different corporate interests. The proverbial two sides of the same coin. Yeah, pretty much. It, it, I think, and we're already at that point where, like, you can basically, you know, 
a lot of your information is out there and is able to be accessed and a lot of people aren't protecting themselves against that. So I think instead of a technological prophecy, it's just a representation of modern society and like its kind of pitfalls and vulnerabilities. The interesting thing I would like to know is that even though Big E is like, you know, like looming over the horizon, it's this very abstracted, uh, villain character Mm -hmm. like the corporation itself ultimately isn't the 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 villain it's the the relationship of the characters with each other that's the real struggle point and it's the day-to-day interactions where we find most of the story development okay well i think if you take apart the entire story it's pretty straightforward. Well, I mean, straightforward might not be the right word here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's not... He just hands it to you on a platter. <laughs> but, like, kind of, actually, yeah. Like, yeah. the two the two sides of the same coin, ultimately the antagonist of the story isn't really in any particular physical entity. So- oh, spoilers, I guess. But... Maybe a manifestation of Elliot's own demons, mm-hmm. which is, you know, tale as old as time. Not exactly super new, but it has different interpretations throughout time. As far as your question goes, like how it relates to our current age of technology and what it deals with. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm kind of with James here. It's pretty representative of what we feel now. Maybe more of an id of what we some people would like to see happen, venting frustrations with the current system if they feel weak or downtrodden, like they can't do anything, which Elliot himself even says, but he manages to find a way to make himself do something with Mr. Robot and F-Society. I, one of my favorite things about this TV show is that it's the quintessential unreliable narrator and it's very aware of that and so you you can never quite tell what's actually going on and i think that's it's very important because you are talking about a person that's deeply mentally disturbed he's got a lot of uh issues uh psychologically and so a lot of shows that represent people with psychological issues don't really address their, you know, their perspective well. You know, you're always on the outside looking in and these people that are savants, these people that are kind of interpersonally weak but have like super intelligence and super analytical capabilities, they seem to just get everything perfect. And this show does a great job of saying, like, that's not how it works. You know, like, these people are extraordinary. Elliot is extraordinary, but ultimately, he is flawed. And he's flawed in a way to where he doesn't perceive reality as a normal person would. And that's conveyed really well. And I applaud the show for doing that. Because it's a really unrepresented side of television where you have a... A person with psychological issues being represented uh, semi-realistically. 
Um, I definitely would like to chime in on that just because I thoroughly enjoyed the psychological aspect of the show when it dealt with characters like Elliot, uh, when it dealt with even groups like F Society, and then, of course, Evil Core, and the interactions between all of them because it did go about showing off the flaws of every individual and because you ended up moving from different people's perspectives, each trying to pursue a different goal and the struggles that they went through. Some of them were caused by outside influences, but you also were able to see and realize they are holding themselves back as much as, like, in some small ways, in some big ways, as much as everything else around them. And it's very interesting because it shows the duality that is relatively present in humanity. And I think that's only because how Elliot wants to change the world because he has this viewpoint that the world is shit, that everything that's going on about it is not very like fair or it's under all corporations there's no real feeling there's nothing human about human society that he wants to change it but there's another part of him that is so adjusted to the way things have been and the fact that even if he did do something like a revolution he doesn't know what would come after, and that scares him, and that keeps him from enacting, hence why F-Society and Mr. Robot come to act as a catalyst for that sort of movement. Yeah, I think that's really cool how, like, a lot of the anxieties that Elliot has are anxieties that each and every one of us have. You know, the whole, like, am I, am I being, um, you know, personal with someone, or am I just another person on their friend's wall you know we all see things in life that happen and we hate it and i think that this story is the most accessible because you know you see a superhero movie or whatever and you know the superhero dislikes how much injustice there is in the world and so the superhero gets powers and then they fix everything which yeah we understand like his cause but we don't understand his um, how he goes about saving the world. I feel like Elliot, his you know cause is something that we share. And even though no, we aren't all expert hackers or coders or whatever. I feel like his means, the means are more accessible and more real. Um, how he you know does that. Uh, another thing I liked, and I hear a lot about um, that. I really thought the show did well, is the portrayal of hacking and this um, underground world of, like, you know, white hat, white hat, black hat, gray hat type hacking. Um, I hear a lot that it was portrayed in a, in a really smart way and more realistic way. How they, how they, um, you know, depicted just that ability in general. No animated computer programs telling you that you've hit a firewall. Yeah. No, no, type, 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 type. Oh, I'm in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't have Clippy? 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 The little click that would show up on, like, your documents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Clippy. <laughs> okay. Is that what you named him? <laughs> no, that's, no, that's his name. That's his, what the heck? <laughs> but, um, that's amazing. I learned something new today, guys. Also, <laughs> in regards to, like, uh, the hacker part, it showed the vulnerability of, like, society as a whole because of its strong reliance on technology to convey and relate to other individuals because Elliot was able to 
go through just about anyone, find their deepest, darkest secrets, and also just anything and everything about them that was available that they had no idea that you could figure out through the web. And he was able to use that to his advantage. And people do do that in the world. And he did try to use that ability for good when it came to individuals who were who he thought were a cancer upon society. But uh, he himself was extremely socially and mentally like vulnerable, hence why he was so antisocial. He didn't want to interact with people because he knew that everyone has their flaws and it's finding those flaws, those bugs in you that makes it extremely hard to like trust or rely on anyone, which is very um, relatable in today's society, I think, yeah. especially with dealing antisocial uh, behaviors and so on. So, I think it's really great that they can use... Uh computers and technologies as an access point to explore maybe the idea that we think we're superhumans, but our weakness is the fact that we are human and that we make human mistakes. I like how this show is very self like aware of tropes in the industry. Like they introduce the Wellicks as like the, this like super manipulative, super like put together team. And you're like, this is going to be the evil power couple that, you know, is going to be uh, presenting itself as an issue constantly yeah. for Elliot. And what ended up happening is that, like, it didn't play out like that at all. No, like, they were their self-destruction. Yeah, they totally went from, like, uh, Tyrell yeah. while, like, meeting Elliot in the bathroom and, like, you know, almost, you know, outing him yeah. to just self-destructing like randomly it's so like it's so unexpected where he, yeah. it was just like he just progressively kept messing up and i was mm -hmm. like wow this was not what i where i expected this arc of the story to go especially yeah. because of like at the beginning when we first interacted with him he just came off as an extremely confident like powerful yeah. individual like nothing was going to stop him nothing like threw him off his game but as we progressed and started to understand that he was a perfectionist, that he wanted to be healthy, that he wanted to grow in power, that he, he wanted was to his do this own and unraveling. that, that he was starting to pressure himself way too much. And then by not meeting up to his standards as well as other people's standards, whenever they criticized him, like Elliot picked that out quite quickly, that yeah. anyone makes a remark that questions whether or not he's the best of the best, he becomes extremely insulted. And yeah that starts to send him down his path to where he has to pay a homeless man to beat him up, to take out that anger. And his anger, along with his pride, is his ultimate downfall, especially when he ends up killing the wife, when he could have just as easily sucked with her and used it as a much more effective power move. But no, hmm. the wife's just like... Well, we don't know if it was really a downfall. We don't know anything about him. Yeah. He's just... Not there. Just and now he's MIA. Mysterious and... absence. I see. I saw all of this, um, you know, how usually a, a season arc has kind of like an overall character and story development. You have a rise, you have a climax, and then there's a fall. I felt like this hit its rise right before the end, and then there was a fall. Because, you know, there's so much discussion about the final episode, which... In my opinion was not as bad as some people were saying. Uh, I don't know what you guys' opinions on the last episode was, but it just seemed... Well, okay. Most of the time, pilot seasons in general are part their own entity, 
part just kind of set up for future episodes, especially if it doesn't get picked up um, or continued on. It's kind of like, well, you know, we tried. Um, but it, it's ending, it's kind of slow, slow sizzle ending seem more realistic to me. The fact that his, you know, hacking skills ultimately, you know, just escalated the stakes even higher. And, like, you know, banks are close? Banks are going crazy, people are going crazy, things like that. And especially if there's, like, an anonymity behind it, you know, nobody knows that he did this, then it's kind of like, well, you know, he's just kind of going to shrink back into his own little world and just, you know, sit down and watch the world burn. Or not remember that it burned at all. Oh, that's like the saddest part of the whole series. <laughs> there were a lot of sad moments no. in this series. Some men just want to watch the world burn, and, then and some people just can't remember <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, okay, so one of the things that I found pretty interesting, or like a common theme throughout this the show that I kind of wanted to explore is that so like a lot of shows are de- uh, a lot of interpersonal relationships depicted in the show are are kind of fake or like you know distant and you can't uh, you can't really tell the people's uh, real interactions and real feelings towards each other from the, the fake ones and you know they use technology to kind of address this where they have this duality of like the the face you show with people and the face that exists online mm-hmm. that you know you think is hidden and you know is do we have these different faces because the technology exists to uh, facilitate these different lives or do they exist prior did, is just a, is this just a human thing and we're just seeing it clearer because there is the technology out there to facilitate that i definitely believe it's the latter of the two um po- pose that question one more time cuz i think you're saying that there the fact that we have we hide behind um this like artificial self and then there's the true us are you saying that like you know with technology it makes it a lot easier or have we always had it like that yeah so is the technology creating a more fake us like is the mm. is the presence of the technology to create your person your own persona your own interactions make forcing us or not even forcing us but allowing us to create these fake external mm-hmm. personas to our friends, to the people online. Because it's not just, you know, yeah. I can anom- anonymously post on forums. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you find in big cities that a lot of interpersonal in- uh, interactions is kind of very surface level, very, mm-hmm. like, show you my best side all the time yeah. because, you know, we don't, we're probably going to be just acquaintances. Yeah. And, you know. I-, I think that we've always been able to do it. Like, it's a, it's a mechanism of survival especially like you know you think about way back when if some if you don't know someone you put on a certain face to protect yourself from that person i think that with the technological age we're in 
it has made it a lot easier, like extremely easier, even to the point where we can not only show a um, artificial self, but we can also have artificial experiences with others and with things in general, you know, like every single day, like the tech is constantly changing and growing. You know, you think about Oculus Rift and how I just saw this video today showing, you know, a new experience that this guy was just in a field in a beautiful, like, look like it was in the, uh, the Welsh Isles or something. He was just in a field. Was he actually there? No. But it looks so real. And I feel like, in a way, this, you know, it, it's damaging us, in a way, because I would say you would be able to bounce back from it before technology occurred versus now. And, and another question is, like, are those falsities, uh, are they easier to expose now? Because half of it's online. Like, Yeah. I mean, it it is because, you know, everything's documented now. You can't truly, truly delete something from the internet. I mean, you think about the, the Ashley Madison hack that happened just recently. That's thousands of lies that were just exposed. And, like, you can't pretend that it didn't happen versus before technology. Well, like, quote, unquote, before technology, you know, I feel like it was a lot easier to cover up something versus if it was on paper, you just burn it, <laughs> you yeah. know? Kudos to the Mr. Robot team for rushing the Ashley Madison reference into that last episode. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I believe at the time it premiered, it was only two-week-old news. Yeah. So... Uh, but in regards to what you were saying before about the face we show ourselves, the face we show other people, what Shay said is pretty much true. We've always been able to do that. There's always been different layers to it. I think social media just kind of adds an extra layer to it. You know, there's an onion that we have. And even in psychology, we had the id, ego, and the superego. They might have to add another layer, like... The digital superego. Oh, isn't that weird that we're getting to that? Yeah, because, so you know, you think of yourself a certain way, yeah. but then you have things that you actually want and feel. You have the perception of yeah. yourself that you don't think you act towards, yeah. but other people see you because you can't see yourself. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a perception that you put out there where it's just like, I'm always having a good time. I've always got this bottle of rosé at the bars. <laughs> and you can see that self. You can see... You can now look back and... And convince yourself that that is the real you. You can now look back and have a record of the things that you've put out and the things that you've said and know the kind of person that you want other people to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're starting to measure ourselves in Instagram likes, you know, dinner pictures. Too, Too relevant because I was just about to get to a story how, like, things that are not even tangible can bring out happiness on us now yeah. because there was this like That's always um, been the case though as far as a non-tangible well, like, well you know, thinking, your connection to things that make you happy even yes. if they're very superficial and not real yeah but like you know if if i read a, a book you know the feeling is not tangible but it's still a feeling that something physical has given me versus something non-physical and i say that with quotation marks but just you know like a like you know this person who I follow on Instagram who is considered insta yeah, insta famous, you know, they've got like thousands of followers, 
that person liked my photo. And the happiness that it brought me is kind of like, it's a, it's a different feeling that wouldn't be so a few decades ago. Definitely. I, but I, maybe I, just in different I, ways? I, think, I don't yeah, know. I think it's the same feeling but in a different avenue. Because mm-hmm. the satisfaction you get from reading a book you know, yeah. shouldn't be any different from the, you know, the, the satisfaction you got from that. Uh, insta-famous person, Mm -hmm. you know, liking your photo. I think ultimately, you know, like, we're just base, you know? Mm -hmm. As a a species, we're we're base. But also, I think it shows that whether it's through internet or, like, prior to our technology, we always try to make ourselves come off as a little bit more complex than we kind of ultimately are. Hashtag fake deep. (laughs) Like, we start building up these walls and these frames and just continually building this complex web of everything but all it takes is a single unraveling or one thread to be lost and then all of that just falls to pieces and the facade that you build up can be gone then you're left to your real selves can you handle that being exposed to the world can you live a bug-free life i think it's super interesting because like this fake depth is so we're trying to supplant our actual depth. Like, people are so emotionally rich. We're so, uh, you know, even even if we don't think our thoughts are important and are relevant and, you know, are, are deep, they actually are. They're just experienced by millions of other people. Yeah. And that shouldn't devalue it. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I think it's hilarious that we, we sit here and we try to... Uh, create this artificial perceived depth. We, we, we want these um, super uh, existential thoughts and feelings and it's like we perceive these to be what's, what's deep and we, we kind of forget the fundamental depth of, of the human experience and I think that's really sad. Yeah, I think, well, now two thoughts going back on earlier. I think it would be different versus like me getting a like on a picture versus someone coming to me and saying, you look very nice today, you know? There's definitely one definitely has more value than the other, in my opinion. But I was uh, also going to say that unless you're catfishing, (laughs) unless you're just blatantly, like, trying to put something else out there, and maybe it has to do with, you know, whatever your self-confidence is, but, like, as far as my Facebook or my Tumblr or whatever... I'm not putting out, like, I'm seeing these social media forums as an extension of myself. Um, so I don't think exactly that we're putting out a false self, a false self exactly, because I'm not going to like something on, on Facebook that I don't like now. It's Well, it's, it's like picking and choosing your qualities. Yeah. Not so much... I mean, it's for some people, a I'm sure. Dating profile. <laughs> I'm sure for some people, they're just like, you go to their profile and yeah. you see that they liked like Dogma ninety five, and you're like, you, you did it. You do not know. You do not know what that means. Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, like definitely going back to that is, it's Kafka esque, is what it is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, this sorry. whole thing is Kafka esque. It's very Kafka esque. I'm sorry. Um, what we were just talking about. 
I lost my train of thought. Here, we stopped you, like, so right sorry. before you even started. What's with you guys losing your train of thought? You need I don't know. vitamins in your diet. Honestly, I'm, like... Fish oil. Do you know where I've been the yeah. last 24 hours? I'm really oh, sleepy. I've achieved nothing. I'm, like, in my delirious, like, half-sleep so, thing right now. fish oil, guys. <laughs> What was the discussion before? Uh, I was saying how we are just projecting ourselves, unless you're just legitimately like I got it. trying to put a falsity out there. Yeah, on that note, it was the fact that while there are people who do put false um, identities out there, like they put an ideal self that what they would want to be online, at the same time, there are other people and what I think is actually occurring is they're putting what is repressed within themselves outward in a, like, they're using that as, like, a sort of venue to let that be expressed because in regular day interactions, that is repressed and people may look negatively upon that sort of, like, the things that you keep down inside that could easily be seen as negative, or they may not be negative, but you don't know how to express that. There's the people that will, yeah, basically what you're saying. They let out even their worst self because they can. And there's always been this perception that if you take away the anonymity of the internet, you have you attach people's real names, they won't say the things that they wouldn't say in their real life. But mm-hmm. that's not entirely true. We've all, we've all been to the comment section. They all require Facebook mm. logins now. People have their real names out there. They don't care. They don't care if any future job employers are going to be like, this person said. This horrible thing. This horrible Mm -hmm. thing. And then it's basically like you're putting out a shadow. And what ultimately ends up... It's not even a shadow. It's like a golden line shadow or silver line shadow. Because... Something with a very defined edge. Yeah. Right. And ultimately, if there's any sort of way to fix, like, end up accepting that, then that sort of anonymity, like that veil that keeps us hidden, does need to be like almost taken away or to the point that we're able to come to terms with what intrinsically strengthens us and weakens us. Otherwise, we won't be able to progress as like individuals. What if it was taken away? What Judging taken from, away? well, this past... And I On actually didn't know... Well, oh, I didn't know that like... Uh, Facebook went down like twice before this last was time. It twice? Yeah, I thought they this said was the second time it ever happened. Second time in a week, third time oh. in the month. Whoa! I, I had know. no idea, and uh, maybe I'm not on Facebook that much. No, I'm on Facebook a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just like I felt like the world, just not the world, but just a good amount of people overreacted to that to the point where that became. Well, obviously it became news, but I don't know. Just what if, like, things like that were to happen more often? Well, would people ha- would people be able to revert back to, you know, their pre- pre-tech lifestyle? It's interesting, because think about it. Like, our current generation is probably, you know, we don't know why, because it might just be because there's more awareness about it, but there's a lot more social anxiety permeating throughout our generation because of our lack of communication in real life and that's well that's a possible theory because like you know there are advancements in psychology and so it there's a greater awareness of these social uh anxiety disorders and other things like that and so that might account for the increase in diagnoses but what we're finding is that 
people are having a harder and harder time communicating. And these, you know, we've been talking down technology kind of negatively, but I think it's important to note uh, there's that, a balance that should be. Yeah, and that people are using technology to reach out and interact with people that they normally wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. You're able to form communities of people that understand you and that experience similar things in a, in a greater capacity because, you know, you might be able to connect with someone in Sweden that's having a similar issue uh, and you live here in the U.S. and, you know, you might have thought that you were alone and here is a person halfway across the world that understands you. And like, yeah. and I think that's that's very important. And I could see why, you know, Facebook going down can be a huge thing because a lot of people use that as we're a We're very window. dependent on it. Yeah. Even though we shouldn't be, but, like, for the basic needs, you know, like, I don't text on my phone as much. I mostly use Messenger. So I did feel like some gravity when it went down because it's like, oh, well, the most important people who I communicate with, now I can't. And I can, but, you know, school school service, they knock out our phones and stuff. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing about it was the portrayal of as much as F Society... As much as F Society like wanted to free the world, as it were, in the show, by the end episode, you could see that one of the head ringleaders was just like, who cares about what happens afterwards? We're focusing in the now, and that's very representative of how some of us are. We're stuck in the now rather than thinking of Instant the future. Gratification. Yeah, when in reality, e- evil core. And just about everyone in the world should be terrified of the fact of that this happened. Like, as much as it's great that you caused this revolution, if you didn't have a backup plan to, like, supplant the system that was currently allowing everything to have a sort of normality to it, then that may have so many various after effects that you couldn't have accounted for, and that may end up doing more bad than the good that you try to accomplish. Um, I'm glad the show addressed that, because, like, with the way Evil Corp is set up, like, it's huge yeah. economical power that it holds. And so, like, it's, it's, the issue is that with that power, like, it's connected to the world. That's the issue that we have with technology. And, you know, the U.S. kind of is, a rep- like, Evil Corp can be kind of a uh, a representation of the U.S. in terms of, like, global relations, because the U.S. is so interconnected within the global economy and the the global political system that there would be a huge backlash if we were collapsed. And, you know, that's what's, I think, going to happen with the evil corp collapse, you know? It's just, you can't just take, if you're playing Jenga, you can't take that crucial, like, you know, card piece out. Mm-hmm. and not expect the tower to fall. I feel like that's kind of what they wanted, though. Especially if the crucial piece they pulled out was debt slash human suffering. They and ultimately like, wanted to expose, but they, really. Human and suffering's I think going that to occur regardless. The exposing was more like a step towards their final building block in that plan. I don't think they were aware of the gravity of mm-hmm. what... No. Like, just mm-hmm. when you remove debt, yeah. like, when you... Of making the system collapse? 
Yeah, I don't think they... I think they made clear, like, from the first well, episode that yeah. they wanted to bring down the system. Yeah, but, but I don't know if they were... I don't know if they're truly prepared for what bringing down the system no. actually means. And that's the problem with, I mean, that's the problem with a lot of these corporations, take... just society in general, they're all built on it up like Jenga towers. And so when you pull one thing, something happens to another and it's all connected to a chain. With, with and those... they just wanted to, in my opinion, they just wanted to expose that by pulling that block out, letting everything fall and making people realize that the building blocks were wrong. Because even after you remove, like, the debt, mm-hmm. and you remove, like, the power and human suffering from that evil corp creates, you create a whole new slew of human suffering by basically reducing the quality of life of everyone that was connected right. to that evil corp. Because everything... Even, even tangentially. Because everything... Uh, after studying just a little bit of integral theory, is interconnected. And when you've, like, gone up to an extremely high level, or any level, period, and then you try to either jump forward a few more steps than you should, or just cause try to cause the system to go back down, you may think it's only going to go down to one point, but it may just keep falling until a base level is met, and that still is still in the first tier. Cause yeah. Like- I mean, look at Allsafer, or the uh, mm-hmm. the company that Elliot worked for. Like, yeah. they're just ten. They only exist because Evil Corp exists. Basically, they're they're the largest uh, consumer of their services. They're the largest client. And so, like, I I can only imagine that there's a bunch of other uh, companies that are that are kind of exist because of Evil Corp, and then even tangentially being related to Evil Corp could have disastrous effects too to well, people. Not to stray too far from this and not to stretch this episode out too much further. You know, afterwards we see and hear them discussing the, the big wigs over at Evil Court saying that this doesn't really matter. Everything's going to be fine. They're not worried. They know things are going to go back to some semblance of the way things were. They're going to be powerful. And the chips are going to fall where they may. The chips being these individual characters from the show, which might be different for each character. You look at Elliot, who's now seemingly better in touch with his feelings. His sister, kind of happy, slash relaxed, if only for the time being. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed, doe girl (laughs) is now... Moving on up. I don't know about moving on up. She seems to be stealing herself into the cold corporate life that she's being forged into. Forged in fire and blood, unfortunately. But with that, I think we're going to try and wrap this up a little bit. Does anyone have any closing thoughts? I, I like just, this show. <laughs> yeah, I'm ex- I'm really excited. Fun! <laughs> Fun! Yay! I'm interested um, in seeing where the show goes from this yeah. point. Like, it could go a varying amount of directions, with, and as long as it holds on to that um, intrinsic like interest that yeah. it had from the first season, I think it'll definitely have a successful second. I think the whole first, no, whole last episode, basically just setting up all the bad guys for the season it's two. Right. Which is not something I appreciate in what? television storytelling. What? 
I mean, we know they're coming back. There's no. I know they're coming fear back. It's just that they're not. You look at the shows of this caliber; they tell a story. Yeah. Through the season. Yeah. And they're not, you know, batting down the hatches Most... for the next season with a lot of setup and not you as mean, much. You mean resolution. season three of House of Cards? Mm, <laughs> well. Suspense mm. is well, a double-edged sword. It yeah. is exactly because that's the moral of the story. Because <laughs> if you if you hype up with the last episode and leave us wanting and it can't deliver, yeah. I'll be sorely disappointed. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not just that. I just think it's a weird story. Well, that's that like, with me. <laughs> uh, well, you know w- what was great about Mad Men? Each season told a story of how these people changed over this time. Yeah. Look at how every season of Breaking Bad, how these characters changed yeah. and landed. At like a there is point an time. individual the, conflict. Yeah, and the story may not be completely over at the end of every season. Things are going to continue, but the general idea of what we were dealing with this arc, yeah, has come to a close, and there are things left open ended for the next the next volume, the next season, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not as though the last chapter was completely part one of the next chapter. It's it's definitely a point of preference. Like, I get what where you're coming from, but some stories, I think, are told uh, better without the whole, like, micro-arcs thing. Because, like, let's look at Legend of Korra, where they couldn't... Um, they couldn't have a complete story. Like, they just had micro arcs and you couldn't really get to know any of the villains or anything like that. And, um, you know, it, when you compare that to Avatar, where you had the lo- the looming villain at the end, and, uh, you know, it had, it had the arcs, but it didn't, like, have a really complete, like, yeah. final story. There were... There were uh, cliffhanger endings to seasons. Yeah. Well. The, you know, there's different storytelling styles. Ultimately, I'm just interested in seeing what the next season's, like, overarching, like, villain. Will it be Evil Core? Will they still be powerful enough to, like, act as the main antagonist? Or will it be society, as well as the individuals as a whole, fighting against itself? Both. Mm-hmm. Both. Both is good. Or is Elliot going to devolve? Into a new... A new Elliot. A new <laughs> Elliot. Will he create a new Mr. Robot? Elliot. His long-lost uh, stepfather that we never heard of. <laughs> because he's crazy enough for it to be a reality. Yeah. Or not reality. So the get, unreality. Well, sure. So get this. What are we going to talk about next time? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. What are we going to talk about next <laughs> we'll, time? We'll, we'll come back next week with an episode. And right. you'll, we're just going to leave you with a cliffhanger next of what week. that's going and to be. That's in two weeks. Oh, man. What's, what has everyone been, been watching? The I, next. I just started uh, Quantico. <gasps> we can talk uh, about Over the Garden Wall. Have you watched it? I really want to talk no. about Over the Garden Wall. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about Over the Garden uh, Wall. I haven't watched it. Over are we going to do a wall. throwback? Yeah. A throwback. It is, I mean, it's it October. is October. Yeah, it's about October. Oh, we can talk about that. Mm. I'll bring the potatoes, you bring the molasses. Hey. You bring the psychological child. I'll bring the metaphor of death. I want to wear the pointy hats. Let's make them. They won't see us, but they'll be there. They'll be there. We'll have them. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so. uh, I'm Shay. (laughs) I'm James. I'm Cody. And I'm Max. And this is... So So get this! this. (laughs) Ew.
that was that was fun after school special. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Everyone yeah. jump fun. jump up at the same time. Yeah. Just <laughs> screenshots of random parts <laughs> throughout the podcast. I'm just a bite in a computer. I don't they know. actually had a com- they had uh, computer episodes of Schoolhouse Rock. Teaching kids about coding and about like ones and zeros and stuff. Oh, that's pretty set swag. Yeah, swag. It came, I think at the beginning of the nineties. So Schoolhouse Rock is to blame for the downfall of E Corp, is what you're saying? 